everybody. Welcome to the Lando Lakers podcast. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky coming to you on Andy. What day is it? I don't even remember anymore. Time this will be Thursday, the day before uh, round two. Rockets Lakers begin. Uh, that would be on Friday the 4th. Thank you very much. So that would make today the third. That is all very helpful information for people. Uh, of course, Lando Lakers podcast, as always, brought to you by Delicious Pizza. Two locations, West Adams and uh, in Hollywood. Tell them the Cam Brothers sent you when you order at deliciouspizza.com or when you call up, use the password Cam Brothers, get 20% off really, really good pizza from a really, really big Lakers fan. Support uh, local business. So, Andy, the Lakers have made it to the second round of the playoffs. Yeah. It's been like a while. Week ago. I was going to say, it feels like a week ago that they advanced. It was, wasn't it? Give or take. It's, I don't know. Again, oh time is meaningless. And they, as we learned on Wednesday night, will play the Houston Rockets. And to help us break this series down, and there's not a lot of time to do it because it starts on Friday, as Andy said, game one. Uh, he covers the Rockets for the Athletic. He is the host of Brody and the Beard. Uh, on the athletic with Mo DeKeel, uh, and he's joining us right now, Kelly Eco. Thanks so much, Kelly, for coming on. We know it's a busy time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, about time, guys. I'm trying to get on the show for forever. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, we really did was ask. I mean, <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> we we just said yes. Were you asking the other Kamenetsky brothers? I mean, like <laughs> I mean, the, the email did not arrive, Kelly. In fairness to us, I mean, just reach yeah, out. You're right. I blame Mo. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go. That's true. Blame when in doubt, blame Mo DeKeel. That's everything. just the simplest most effective way to do it and and he'll take it yeah. that's what's great all right but yeah so, th thanks for having me uh pleasure to be on the show guys we i was watching this game on wednesday like everybody else was and it was one of these just sort of completely hypnotic games for a ton of reasons and andy and i have been having this debate since the rockets really remade themselves throughout this first round series with the oklahoma city thunder right. and so i'm just going to start you off with this question how good are the Rockets? Um, it's a good question. Defensively, they're great. I think they have a lot of stretches where they do tend to have lapses. Uh, we saw in the Thunder series how, I guess, game seven, there was a lot of penetration just from a lack of closeout you know, timing and rotations and stuff like that. But they were able to get enough stops down the stretch to win the game. I think they held the Thunder to two field goals made over the last eight and a half minutes, which is incredible. Um, offensively, you know, they are what they are. They're going to go through stretches where they go cold from three. You know, they might miss eight, nine, ten in a row. Um, James, you know, is going to give you, you know, as much as he can. I think game seven was kind of a, a nerves game, if you will. Part of that was due to, you know, Lou Dort's incredible defense, and a lot was just him taking bad shots. But I think overall the Rockets are a good team. It's just that the Lakers are, you know, pretty damn good themselves <laughs> i've been uh, on record a lot kelly as being a rockets skeptic and, and the biggest reason for me is just their roster construction and maybe to some degree stubbornness that you see at times whether from harden or westbrook or mike d'antoni but really with personnel like they're not a team that's built to make really any type of adjustments or have any real variances in their adjustments because their, their roster is so singularly like, with duplication, and you know everybody's 6'3 to 6'7. So it seems to me like they're more just about executing to the best they possibly can, the best version of themselves, right. than adjusting. A, am I right about this? B, if I'm not, what are some of the areas where they can adjust more than people may realize? Um, you're right and wrong. I, I will say, the Thunder series showed me that 
the Rockets' construction as a roster was specifically built to play bigger teams. Like, the reason why it went seven games was because, you know, the Thunder's guards are all six feet to six two, and they were able to be faster, quicker, you know, more energetic in the paint, getting to the lane. Now, as far as adjustments go, they are pretty simple in what they do, and that's kind of the reason why players like playing there. It's like their, their job is simple. You know, on defense, they're going to switch. They're going to help at times. At times, they won't. Their, their job is to create havoc. And against a team like the Lakers, um, who, don't, who don't have those kind of guards like the Thunder have, but they do have abundance of size, you have to, you have to adjust your, your, your scheme. And I'm not sure if, you know, coming off of a game seven, emotional game seven, I'm not sure if in game one you'll be able to see any kind of adjustment because they're basically playing on emotional fumes, you know, right. going from one day to you know, game one. Um, but I do think that the Lakers pose a different challenge than, you know, the Thunder in terms of just being bigger and stronger. LeBron and AD are going to, you know, dominate in this series. It's just something that's going to happen. Um, the key to the Rockets in this series is going to be everyone else. You know, can Kuzma be that third option? You know, Danny Green, are they going to hit timely threes? You know, will the Lakers, you know, trap Harden at times, creating those four and three situations? And mm-hmm. can the Rockets capitalize on, on those threes? I don't think they can because they're a pretty tricky team. Hey, back up here for a second because what you, the, the way you opened that answer I thought was was interesting and it's also – counterintuitive to what a lot of people would think right. in that, you know, you said that the Rockets are built to play big teams. Yeah. And I think most people would just assume because they look like the sort of the ultimate small ball team, you know, every, like Andy, they said, everybody is that six, four to six, seven, no right. seven footers and all that right. tons of three pointers that that's what they're designed for. Why are they built to play big teams rather than small ones? I think it has to do with just, the kind of people they have. Like you look at a Robert Covington who's a six seven with a seven two wingspan. He's meant to, you know, disrupt those slower, bigger players. You know, Jeff Green, who's six eight with a seven foot wingspan. A Tucker who's a six five with a seven foot wingspan. Those are big, strong guys who are who are supposed to use their speed and size to counter bigger teams. I don't think they're built for smaller teams, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of ironic. Um, but yeah, I think it also goes back to, you know, Mike D'Antoni's rotations. He didn't play a lot of Austin Rivers, who's, you know, a quick guard. Um, there wasn't a lot of Ben McLemore who wasn't, you know, that great in that series anyway. But, um, I just think that, you know, the Rockets wings, they're all the same size and they're all designed to do the same thing, which is to slow down bigger, you know, centers and bigger forwards. So that's why the third had so, you know, so many advantages. They're they're short, but they're not small. Like Harden is huge. Like he's well, a, like sturdy. Yeah, he's like, they're, they're thick. Yeah, they're sturdy yeah. Guys. These are big boys. Like these yeah. are big dudes out there. Yeah, um, yeah, they they are big dudes, and I think that's kind of why they're so confident in allowing James to be in the post and allowing Tuck to to be in the post and allow Covington to switch off the centers is because they're big. They're big guys, but the Lakers are. Big as hell. So, yeah. like, like will, will will Tyson Chandler be active? Like, is that an no. adjustment Mike D'Antoni will make? No, I don't think. No, boy, D'Antoni's Mike, pretty confident. Yeah, I, I don't think he's. 
I think the only reason why he did play was because of the uh, the technical foul. Like, right. The Thunder got to choose. And I joked that that was going to be the single-handedly answer to small ball Tyson Chandler back on the floor. Like when, <laughs> when they called Tyson Chandler, he must have been like, wait, Ty- who are you? <laughs> Me? Were you surprised he had like shorts on? <laughs> like, under yeah, I his thought he would be in a suit. <laughs> Could have been in the locker room still. That's when you really learn that Tyson Chandler's a pro's bro. <laughs> like yeah, he actually yeah. had warm-ups on he's, underneath. Yeah, he's not playing in this series. I don't think they're playing any guy over six seven, to be honest. So then how okay, w- with that in mind, how do you think the Rockets then make that work? Because as you as you noted before, the Lakers are big as hell. And there are there are things that Houston did well in terms of like keeping OKC out of the paint or preventing a lot of, you know, fast break, uh, fast break transition points yeah. or, you know, second chance points, putbacks, that sort of thing. Except that's not stuff that OKC does a lot of anyway. anyway like right. that's not really what they do. So they're, they're fairly untested in terms of a team built like the Lakers. How, how do they go about keeping that, you know, either that size off the court and making Frank Vogel adjust or just keeping it from being as effective. So I don't really, I don't really like to use that February game just because um, it was a Rockets win and it was a good win for them. But it was also the first time um, right. they had seen that style. We both agree, by the way. And you know, after you see that, you get time to study it. You can game plan for it. So now, do I think that the Rockets? Okay, for example, let's talk about this. Houston's transition defense was number one in the playoffs, but the Thunder don't run that much at all. So the Lakers are built to run. Mm -hmm. Um, Tucker was talking about today how it's important to form a wall on defense on LeBron. Um, I'm not sure how much they'll do that or how much they'll be able to do that effectively. You know, it depends on how LeBron plays the game. You know, if he's kind of like Chris Paul, who kind of plays his way into the game before picking his spots. Or is it going to be uber aggressive on the joke? You know, it really depends on that. But um, yeah, I do agree with you. I, I don't think that they're, there's parts of their defense that haven't been greatly tested because the Thunder just are a different schematic team altogether. When when you look at this, they like, you know, I, I, I can't tell, like the matchups go back and forth. Like, I, I don't think you know, there's anybody I look at on on the, the Rockets roster and go, okay, that that's a good matchup for uh, to, to look at AD or something like that, you know, a guy who can really, you know, deal with that yeah. in that way. Whereas, you know, they got a lot of wings, maybe nobody, you know, they had a lot of dudes you could throw at LeBron. The flip side is, you know, in the first round with the Lakers, the Lakers did a really good job, I think, overall on Lillard and McCollum. But those are smaller guards. Those are, you know, those, you know, they, they aren't the big physical dudes like Harden and, and Westbrook are. Right. And they, the Lakers don't have a dort, you know, a guy that's <laughs> yeah. big and physical that can body up James Harden. Like yeah. Alex Caruso did a great job against Damian Lillard in the first round and getting through screens and all that kind of stuff. But he doesn't have the physical size of, right. of Lou Dort. So when you look at kind of those matchup advantages with the star players, where do you think – uh, where do you think the advantages are? Like whether you're looking at the Rockets can do yeah, well here, th- the I Lakers can do does. well there. I think it does go with the guards because obviously without Avery Bradley, that's a huge loss in terms of somebody who was willing to take that challenge of guarding James Harden, guarding Russ. Um, the problem with Russ for the Lakers is that you can't stick a big man on him because you're almost 
inviting him to the paint. And mm-hmm. Russ was the number one finisher around the rim from you know December onwards. James, you know, has always played well against the Lakers, and in part because there is no Dort, so there isn't there isn't a quote unquote stopper. So he's gonna have his way in terms of you know getting what he wants. The question will become: Do the Lakers send help? You know, do they use guys like? Kentavious, Kyle Pope, do they use a guy like Danny Green? Because Danny Green's a good defender. He mm-hmm. has the length to at least shade him towards his right, which, which, which the scouting report says you should do. But, um, he, doesn't have, but he doesn't have the, the first step, I think. No, his, we no, always we talk about hard and change of speed, you know, slow, this, that. But when he wants to move quickly, he can go real fast. Yeah. Danny Green doesn't have that burst. Yeah, I think that's where the Rockets will have to lean on heavily. And that's the, and that's the scary thing because, you know, we've seen – like game seven, but had the Rockets lost that game, that would have been, you know, another huge page in, in Harden's playoff, you know, pain. You know, just being outscored by Dort almost the double the points. Oak <laughs> hero Lou Dort. Put some, put some respect on his name, Kelly. Leading yeah. scorer in that game seven, Lou Dort. I know. I, him, LeBron. And him, LeBron, and Kobe, Kobe, I think, are the only uh, players on like under 21 who scored 25 or more in a game seven. That's, that's going to go down in history as the single craziest list of all time. That's crazy. Like Kobe. that and Corey Brewer having a 50 plus point <laughs> game. Like, like those are the really, truly, like, who yeah. else? it's like Corey Brewer and someone else that's truly, truly, oh, Tony Delk. Those are the yeah. two guys. And it's like, yeah. really? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, um, but yeah, I think the Rockets do have an advantage there in terms of guards. Um, because you know, without Bradley, there isn't anybody who can really you know slow them down. It's going to come down to how Houston executes late in the game. I think will they tend to go back to their old habits? Because there have been times where there's good ball movement, they play patient on offense, trying to get good looks, but there have been times where they you know go back to the old ways, Russ shooting the air ball in the mid range pull up or. James taking the, a 35-foot step back. Like, it's going to come down to those parts of the game. They haven't been great in the clutch in the first round, apart from game seven. But offensively, they just haven't been great in the clutch at all. Were they really great? <laughs> I don't I know mean, if anybody I mean, no, no, was like, game seven, really like, great in the clutch down the no, stretch no, no. of the game so, seven. So, game seven, their offensive rating in the clutch, was, I think it was 41.5. 41, yeah, something like that, which is – God awful. That sounds yes. bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I, but that game was just that game was just yucky. I could just see it coming in the fourth quarter. But they do have some things to work on in terms of execution in the clutch for sure. Because you know they they don't have a LeBron James. They don't have Anthony Davis. You know, two guys where you know are either going to get fouled or going to you know put some real pressure on you in the paint. So I do. And and that's one of the biggest reasons why I have a hard time saying this game, this series could go seven. I don't think, I think it goes six. I just think um, Mo actually said five, which is, which is, which is pretty, pretty big. Um, well, everyone knows Mo lives on the edge. Rock, Mo said rockets in five, right? No, he said, he said like, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't turn our listeners against Mo, Brian. Yeah, he said, was, Mo said, Mo that said was, Rockets that was, that was in those three. Those were his exact words. He said, he lives in Los Angeles, you know. Right. <laughs> Mo said Rockets in three. <laughs> yeah, I believe Mo said LeBron was scared of this series. Like, he's not even sure LeBron's going to do it. He might come up with a reason to leave the bubble. That is what Mo <laughs> said, right, on, on Brody and the Beard, correct? I think so. I think so. I think uh, last episode. 
Okay. I'm just, I'm just aggregating here. Um, <laughs> here's, here's a question I, I, I'm wondering about because so much of the first round was taken up with if the Rockets lose, and I, I, this is a whole other separate conversation about the, this, the wisdom of this sort of thing, but if the Rockets lose, Mike D'Antoni is going to be fired, you break up the team, all, the, all this stuff, and like this game comes down to what it did last night. And, you know, CP makes a shot all of a sudden, you know, D'Antoni, I guess, is out. Now he's either a good coach or a bad coach. It's all stupid, you know. But I'm wondering, does, you know, they just went to seven, seven games, which is a disadvantage in the bubble. Like, you're just playing, you're playing every other day. It's relentless. Now you have to play the Lakers, who have been uh, had a chance to rest and are playing well. Do they get a lift, though, just from getting out of the first round and probably putting at least some of those – debates to bed because if they lose in six or seven play a competitive series against the Lakers and they lose to the Lakers, that's not going to, nobody's going to come down hard on them over yeah. that. Right? No. So do they get, a, do they get to play a little bit freer now in this series than they did against Oklahoma city? I mean, no, no one. Yes. No, in the sense that, you know, they are still the Rockets and to them, they believe that they should be in the finals every year. So I think any, plays short of that, it's going to be a failure for them. But on the whole, no, I don't think, you know, you're going to come down with like the hammer of Thor if they lose in six because the Lakers are a team mainly expected to not only get to the finals, but win the whole thing. So, um, and they proved it during the regular season that they were the, the team to be in the Western Conference. So I, I don't think that you can, that you should hold Mike D'Antoni that accountable if they lose in a, a tough six-game series, you know, because – it's hard. This is a good team. So is it a knock on Houston? I don't know. But to them, it will be. What did you make of uh, Harden's first round? He was pretty all over the place in terms of his scoring. His outside shot was off. He wasn't getting to the line as much as he typically does during the regular season. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of all over the place. But a lot of that was due to, you know, Dort. And that's credit to that's credit to Billy Donovan and just being able to have someone be a deterrent. I think James is used to a certain amount of things. He's used to a certain amount of comfort on the floor. And Dort kind of mucked all that up. And that was why you saw Houston having to change their, their strategy. You know, more, a lot of more high ball screens, trying to free up, you know, James from Dort's clutches, a lot of inverted pick and rolls. Um, it worked to some degree, you know, but other times we saw Dort just being too strong to fight through those screens and just – put his face right in Harden. So I think the first round was kind of wacky for him. Um, I do think this round will be more, you'll see the Harden that people have seen through the regular season, which is more of the 30 points, you know, seven assists type. Yeah. Um, when it comes to Harden and trying to play him, I mean, a guy like him, you've got to try to take away something. I'm personally of the opinion that I'd rather have him be that three-point threat and try to take away his ability to drive, whether getting to the rim or, you know, drive and kick, that sort of thing. When you look at what you'd try to take away from Harden, what, what do you think? Yeah, it has to be his driving because his driving is so dangerous because not only can he get other guys, but he can get himself going, he can get fouled, and that tends to wear in a defense. If, if you're fouling somebody a lot during the game, it tends to make things sloppy on the defensive end. And that only adds to, you know, the, the opposing teams, you know, their swagger and everything. So I think you can live – if James is going to hit, you know, eight step-back threes, you kind of have to live with that. Like, that's just 
what he does. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, what are you going to do with that? It, it's yeah. like year, it's like years ago. I, cause I remember, I think Brian was there. I know I was, uh, that game against the, the Clippers, that playoff game right. several right. years ago where the Clippers blew that like 25 point lead or whatever. Yeah. And like on one hand, you're wondering when doc's going to adjust, but then on the other hand, it's like, Hey, Josh Smith is taking step back threes. Like that is exactly what you want him to do. Like, I don't blame right. Dr. Man. Like, okay, I'll see where this goes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So exactly. Like you have to kind of, there's some things, every defensive scheme has to live with something. And I think for the Lakers, if they can make James take 13 step back threes and he hits five of them, you tip your head and you, and you move on, you know, you aren't going to lose a game because he hit five step back. Like there are other things in the game that you, that you can't control you know, Russ and the other shooters and stuff like that to, to where if James is going to do what he does, you know, you can't really stop him, just slow it down. Um, when did the Rockets get to be good at defense? Like, cause that's, <laughs> that's not something that anybody associates them with it. And no. Tony, D'Antoni takes more, more shit for that than he should. But like, it's just set in stone. A Mike D'Antoni team isn't good. And meanwhile, the Rockets have been, you know, pretty good on that end of the ball. When did that happen, and why is it true? Um, I think that happened in the months leading up to the bubble, which is kind of weird to say because there wasn't any basketball played. But they kind of had time. I talked to Coach Turner a lot. Uh, they had time to look at what they were doing wrong. And the number one thing that they did do wrong was defending in transition and the ability to or lack thereof to help efficiently. Um, prior to going small, their defensive – the mantra was strength the floor with Clint Capella, which is, you know, force everything in the middle and trust that your defense can collapse efficiently time and time again. Now, without Clint, that strategy changed to just cause havoc, just be scrappy. And that's, you know, getting deflections, that's getting, you know, stress from behind, that's getting, you know, just collapsing on the baseline and stuff like that to kind of put pressure on the opposing team. But, yeah, it's, it's been surprising seeing their rank go from almost – middle of the pack to like number one mm -hmm. that was pretty unexpected um but I've, a lot of that too was kind of fudged because the thunder just went ice cold at times um well i mean that's a big deal against the lakers who are a notoriously excellent outside shooting team <laughs> there will be no stretches where the lakers go cold at all um but how does that translate though too because i my my theory with star teams particularly is like you can kind of look at it in a couple ways you can it's hard to take out two guys like you can't you can't make right. both Harden and Westbrook ineffective in a series you can't right. make both LeBron you know in the first round I thought Portland would attack AD because it's really hard to attack LeBron um and in in as the series went on they sort of ended up shutting down neither which is why the Lakers kind of rolled through the end of that series given their construction if, if they could only sort of try to attack one guy and limit the effectiveness of one guy, which, do you, which star do you think they go after and then how? It has to be AD. Um, we've seen at times, although it's rare, there have been times where AD doesn't look that, I guess, dominant in terms of what he should be doing relative to expect, expectations. A lot of that the Rockets can try to do by, you know, Covington just – being everywhere, you know, having to use people like Eric Gordon as someone to dig on those drives and kind of force AD to play that iso ball. Um, where the Rockets have had success in the past is when 
they almost force you because of they're so small and they're switching everything. They force you to think that you have a mismatch and then you therefore hunt that mismatch. And that leads to less ball movement. It leads to slower play. It leads to inefficient, you know, post-ups and stuff like that. So I think where the Rockets want to get their advantage is in that category. You know, we saw them so many times over the years against the, the Golden State Warriors. They made Kevin Durant kind of play that iso ball. And that was kind of a, a wrench in, in, in Steve Kerr's side because that's not how they play. Simple. Um, now, LeBron, you're not going to slow down LeBron. This is not going to happen. He's going to do what he does time and time again. He's the greatest player in the world. Um, but AD, there are things you can do to kind of, you know, bother him a bit if you if you don't allow him to get going early. It, it, it's, it's harder than it actually sounds, you know. But I do think if they were to choose one or the other, it has to be Anthony Davis. Is there a player uh, on Houston that isn't Harden or Westbrook that you consider potentially make or break in terms of them trying to pull the upset in this series? Uh, I'll give you two. Robert Covington and uh, Daniel House. Yes. So um, I think I think Covington and House are extremely important because there are going to be times when the Lakers, you know, like I said, they're going to send pressure and Robert and Daniel will be open. No, they have to hit those threes at – an exceptional rate to either cause the Lakers to stop that strategy or to, you know, altogether. But I do think that those guys have the size capable of not like winning the rebounding battle, but not allowing it to be overblown. You know, the Lakers get 20 more rebounds from the Rockets. That's bad news because chances are, if you get 20 of those, let's say half of those turn into second chance points. Now, if they can keep it somewhat competitive, you know, eight rebounds or less difference, then you do have a chance. But Robert Covington is going to be important because he's able to be that free safety on defense, help everywhere, kind of shore up everyone's deficiencies in Daniel House's athleticism, uh, his ability to put the ball on the floor and be a playmaker is going to be extremely important. All right, so I got one more thing for you, then we get to that part where we we, we all uh, put our predictions out there. Um, so my theory of this series when I was watching last night was that I, I wouldn't pick obviously either team to beat the Lakers, but the Rockets have a better ch- would have had a better chance of beating the Lakers. I, I think I give the Rockets a non-zero chance of beating the Lakers in a series, whereas I gave the Thunder basically a zero percent chance of yeah. assuming nobody on the Lakers gets hurt. But the flip side is I also think that this series has the potential to be over quicker. Like if the Rockets, like if it just like they get in that game one, game two, and it just the matchup doesn't look right, and because you know the, they just don't maybe don't have a counter for what the Lakers can offer to do, that the series could be a bit more of a blowout. Do you see that potential sort of in extremes where it, higher ceiling, lower floor? Of, yeah, kind of one or the other uh, in terms of how this plays out. Yeah, I don't think this series. I think however these games go, it will not be like the Thunder where we saw such close games for 48 minutes. I think it's going to be one or the other. I think it's going to be either the Lakers get rolling or the Rockets get rolling. So I do think the variance in this series is much higher than uh, the Thunder. All right. I, uh, if we read, we, this is the part, Andy, that everybody gets nervous about. Yes. I mean, we've all, we look at what we already did to Mo in the, with the prediction <laughs> game. Look at the way, I mean, we, we destroyed that guy's entire Actually, basketball just saw, just saw credibility. He just put on Instagram live, uh, people forcing him out of his home. And yeah, and, and this show hasn't even gone live yet. 
and, that, and people are line. already attacking him. It's oh, look, he's he's in Nevada. He's there. <laughs> he's already, they've already moved him. Unbelievable. Uh, I so I have this. I. I feel like I feel like this is Lakers in six, but if you had me like, but closer to five than seven, I'm going to say six. But if I had to pick something in either direction, I'd say Lakers in five. Andy, what about you? I'm going to go Lakers in five. Like I said, I've not been impressed by Houston. I, I'm not. A, I'm a Houston skeptic, which probably means it'll go at least seven. At least, how many more can it go? <laughs> like the game seven, and o- seven and overtime. Let's make it best of nine or best of seven and overtime. Like an Old timey baseball well, series. I'm saying it can't go any less than seven. It will go at minimum seven. Uh, Kelly, what about you? Um, I think I'm going to say Lakers in six. I think <clears throat> it's going to come down to can Houston hit enough threes on a consistent basis to keep the Lakers defense honest, but I, I don't think it goes six. Doesn't take it, that many threes. Doesn't take a ton. <laughs> what will have happened if we're all wrong and the Rockets win this series? Why do you think it would have happened short again, short of like, you know, AD? Um, I think it, if we're all wrong, it's because James Harden, you know, played at a nuclear level and they were able to effectively slow down AD as we've seen the heat do to Giannis. I think that's the only way you know this is possible. All right. Kelly would Eco. Be, be pretty uh, shocking. It would be yeah. pretty damn shocking, but stranger things have happened. Um, yeah. He is the host of Brody and the Beard podcast, The Athletic. He, of course, covers the Rockets for The Athletic. Great stuff, and you need to be – first of all, you need to be subscribing to The Athletic. And once you're there, check out the coverage. It's how I prep for this podcast. It's how I'm prepping for this series. It's great stuff. You know what else is a great thing to do, by the way, while you are prepping mm-hmm. or listening to Brody and the Beer? You eat yourself a delicious pizza. That's uh, right. The sponsor of this show, uh, two locations, West Adams or Hollywood. And if you tell them the password, Cam Brothers, with your order, either ordering it online or showing up there and you, you wait for it for pickup, 20% off. So that, that is a great way to gear up for this series, it's the worst part of the pandemic, Kelly, I mean, this is that you can't come out to LA for this series and go. No, yourself man, somewhere. I was looking. I love LA, but yeah, so you know, you, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not going to get into a whole LA versus Houston thing as a city. We, you are a guest. I'm going to be kind. Also, blame Mo for the pandemic too. But that's <laughs> that's another thing. No, I I, I draw the line there. Oh, poor super spreader Dekeel. <laughs> oh God, this poor guy. Let's let's poor give guy. Mo Dekeel a break. <laughs> Flip side though is I don't know exactly what he was doing when the whole thing began. So <laughs> who knows? Uh, appreciate the time, Kelly. Man, thank Thanks you. This is awesome. Really, this is great. Thank you.